So we're not doing it. <laughs> Without Dan, it's not happening. So we're the Uncle Puckers. What's up, everybody? Dan is no longer here. Well, he'll be back. He's on vacation, so he's got all our sounders and shit, so we had nothing. So me, Tony, and Bobby, sorry about the screwed up intro, but you know what you're getting. Just trying to bring you some hockey talk. In the middle of the yeah, summer. that's all. I mean, it's all. It's it's. You're not here for the intro. You can listen to Ken Danico every single game. You don't have to hear him introducing us. So, well, how you guys doing tonight? You can listen to him on our channel. Actually, they were replaying on the uh, NHL Network. They were replaying the uh, 2000 Cup Final uh, against uh, Dallas, and then 2001 against the. Uh, Avalanche. Avalanche. So I was watching. I watched the third period. Well, no, actually the first overtime and the rest of the overtime in Game Six of the Dallas series, and uh, I turned off the Colorado series because that's I don't I don't want that one hurts yeah. too much. It's crazy it how, does long, hurt. how long ago it was now, right? You look back at those games and it's just time is just flying. You're like, holy shit, man! Like. You know, 95, whenever they have, like, the every couple of years, they're like, it's been 15 years, it's been 20. I'm like, holy shit, man. I'm like, it's just, it does it, I mean, it doesn't seem like yesterday anymore, but still, I mean, time is a rolling. It's amazing how fast you can go without winning a championship, right? 20 yeah, years, exactly. and we're just the fortunate ones. There were Cubs fans out there, 100 years or whatever. It's You're not kidding. Hey, look, go through how many tough. teams in the NHL that have never won a cup. That's I mean, right. it, it, I think Buffalo Sabre fans are probably the – they got to be the, 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 the biggest, like – you can't complain at all to a Buffalo Sabre fan. Like, they, they, right. it's, it's, a Viking, it's a Minnesota Viking fan of hockey, you know. It's, it really is. Like, no matter what, you're so good. Sometimes you just get so close and you just can't win it. So I would at some point like to see Buffalo win – Chris, you know, I was talking sure. to my wife the other day about uh, the Detroit Lions, actually. Um, we were watching that. Actually, we were watching the, the quarterback series on uh, Netflix. And they had the Lions, and I was explaining to my wife. I said, you know, I don't know if I can think of a team that would probably be uh, – it would be pretty miserable being a Lions fan. Um, I couldn't yeah. imagine buying season tickets. I, I mean, I just – it's just a team that I just – every year I expect them to not be that great. Well, the whole team is run. It, it was just you know they're they're run very poorly. Their front office is terrible. They've gone through so many you know first round or you know top picks, first, second, third pick quarterbacks. They've gone through coaches left and right. Nothing can stick there. They actually have a really good team now. They should be. I mean, they are the favorites to win the NFC North as as far as well. Vegas does have them as a, a favorites too, but most of the national media has them. Like I still, because of what you just said, <clears throat> excuse me. Like I can't get behind Detroit. Like I, I'm not buying that stock. It's you were just about been. The Browns last week. It's been really bad for really long that I just don't know if it could ever kind of. I, I'll believe it when I see it. As far as the Browns, like you said, I think the Browns are actually going to be really I think they're going to be killer, but it's hard to it's hard to grip it. It's like, man, I just know that the, the fans of – you know, you've seen it so many years. You're like, how many times – even as a, a – whatever team I like with the Raiders, I'm like, oh, cool. There were so many years I'm like, okay, we're playing the Lions this weekend. This should be okay. We're playing. Yeah, no, you can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. Uh, not with the Lions. Uh, there are, you know, now this year you can do that when you play the, the Cardinals or, or the Buccaneers. You know, I think those teams are going to be pretty pretty bad. Um, 
That's what the Lions fans are tired of, like, looking at the highlight of their schedule as, you know, the Thanksgiving Day game, or or are they finally like, Jesus Christ, can I just eat at home for one year? Why do we get the game every year? Them and Dallas. That's horrible. I love love Thanksgiving. I love the games on Thanksgiving. Um, Just switch up the teams. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I, I There are a few things. Like, so much has changed over the course of sport in the last, you know, 10 or 20 years. I kind of like that there are some traditions that don't, uh, that they don't waver from. Like, Dallas and Detroit, instead of pulling them off of Thanksgiving, they just added another game, which I'm fine with. Right. You know, just add the late game. But Dallas and Detroit play home games on Thanksgiving. It's been that way as long as I could remember. I mean, at my age, I don't remember ever having a Thanksgiving where those two teams weren't playing, so I guess it's been going on for... There's a ton of traditions that I am a huge fan of, sports or not, just not that one. Yeah, just I get tired it. tired of those I get two. it. I do like the extra game, though, because I, I fucking hate preseason. Um, you know, I, I even... I don't know, preseason, to me, I know it's more important than the All-Star games by far, but it kind of, as entertainment-wise, like the... Uh, what was it, the Hall of Fame game the other night? Right? Yeah, it was Thursday. After, night. like, a couple minutes, you're just like, okay, cool, football's back. But, you know, it's well, you, you also have to understand how football has changed a lot as far as when you when, – when coaches are doing player evaluations, they're really not doing a whole lot of – they're doing evaluations during the preseason, but they're not implementing anything. They're not giving you any film to – you know, they're not going to – show you their offensive or defensive system. They're going to run vanilla plays. They're going to just see if you can do the job. And they have a bunch of rookies or just guys trying to make the team. Most That's why no starters really play anymore in the preseason. The coaches gleam really kind of put their system together during the joint practices and during that kind of stuff, a lot more so than the preseason. I mean, I remember being a kid, preseason was your starters were in there for the first half, especially in, in the fourth game. Now there's only three preseason now games. Now they may do two but the, drives. The, the fourth preseason game, your starters, most some of the times would play there the whole game. But, you know, the first half definitely – now, you know, when you have a quarterback making $40, $50 million a year, you're not throwing him out there in preseason. You know, you're not going to go watch, you know, Patrick Mahomes take snaps against, you know, against a third string, you know, Charger team. It's just not going to happen. So I, I, the preseason is fun for exactly like you said. It's fun for five minutes. It's fun for the first quarter. And then it's like, all right, I've seen enough. This is like worse than USFL or XFL football. So, yeah. And uh, hockey is a lot different because it's a, the game is the game, you know. Yes, the 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 production or as far as the talent on the ice is not going to be as good as, of course, the regular season. But you do have that, like you know, few dudes. Everybody's playing, you know. So you are seeing your guys, and you're seeing a bunch of names that you don't see a lot, and you can kind of get a lot, gleam a lot off of who might make this team, who might not make this team, which is the minor league a little bit better. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, you have really, what, really one open spot right now on this team that's kind of, uh, for the Devils rather, that, that is really that third-line winger. If if we if Lindy Ruff puts lines together in the beginning as we kind of think he's going to, Palat and Hala are on that third line. Mm-hmm. So it's that winger spot next to him, that next to Hala, that we don't know. That's the only one that's really going to be an open battle in camp. And it's probably going to come down to 
what, Alex Holtz, Nolan Foote, and uh, Graham Clark? I mean, is that really the three that you could see yeah. pushing for it? Yeah. Um, I was, I who do you think gets too, it? Our division just got I actually do believe that our division is going to be a fucking a rough one this year. It's going to be tough, man. I mean, even – I was actually – you know, we talked about Pittsburgh – how we thought they were going to dismount. I thought basically they were going to sell the farm this year and kind of try to mend air. I got to say, they're making moves. They're, I mean, Dubas is winning there. They made one move. They made one move. They're not making moves. They made a move. I don't think, I think Pittsburgh makes the playoffs now. I do. I think they might, uh, they sneak in and with a wild card. I do believe that. I knew there was, I knew there was no way they were going to tear it down because it, when you have, the, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, they're not going to rip everything down and say, hey, Sid, thanks for everything, but we're rebuilding now and, you know, have fun playing with a bunch of shitty kids. Yeah, yeah make a respectable uh, season, before, try to get in, hope for the best. Right. Um, I don't think the Eric Carlson trade is this, it's being made out to be that now Pittsburgh, it, it, Eric Carlson cannot play defense. He's terrible yeah. at it. it do, does You know, Pittsburgh has trouble scoring, so he's going to help. But it doesn't change the fact that the majority of their players are on the wrong side of 30. And they I just don't know if they can hang with a lot of these younger teams that are coming up in the Metropolitan Division. I mean, Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. Will they be in the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, when we sit down and really hammer out the Eastern Conference before the season starts, where we all put down where 1 through 16, everybody's going to go, um, that's going to be... You know, fun to see where uh, Pittsburgh, but I could see Pittsburgh being on the outside again yeah, this year. My reaction to the trade was thinking back to our Eastern Conference preview, and I was thinking how that he they were like the mushy four or five, right? We most of us probably thought they were in the same spot. Maybe one of us put them a little lower. And the only thing that really came to mind there was, all right, maybe now they've solidified that four, you know, over Washington type of thing. But I still don't know if that gets them in the playoffs. With the way the right. division's shaping up, ages right. You got Carlson's thirty-three, yeah. Crosby thirty-six, Malkin thirty-seven, and Latang with thirty thirty-seven. And, and listen, yeah. you hate to admit this because the guy is still really, really good. But in my experience, when you take these ultra superstars and you start trading them a little easier, the team that has them knows a little more about them than everybody else. Right. I mean, like, no offense to PK Subban, I love getting him here. I love what he brought, not just his kind of energy but for that one year it did bring a little bit of legitimacy that someone like that was coming here but he was not the pk of even nashville let alone montreal it does start to fall off i'm not saying carlson's falling off he's still great but is he as great no probably not. is he great is he great? He's I offensively mean, I think he's great. A damn good player. I think he had a really yeah. good last year, and I think he's inconsistent. But I think. But he you have to good. also understand that where he was last year, he's playing for a San San Jose Shark team that just stunk. They were a bad hockey team, and they couldn't score goals. So when the coaching staff is telling Eric Carlson every time he's getting over the bench, go score, just go right. score some goals. You don't have to worry about and anything it, else. Exactly. Plus minus. Goals in Ottawa. He's just inconsistent. But, but he did score in Ottawa, but that was how many years ago? I'm just saying that the Eric Carlson right now, yes, he can score you some goals, but does Pittsburgh need a defenseman to just jump up into play and score goals? Because with the speed of some of these teams in the Eastern Conference, I see a guy like Eric Carlson, you know, just I'll, I'll watching this these way. guys. I'll take Hamilton at this stage of his career over Carlson any day right now. I would too. Yeah, yeah I would too. I, I mean, I, look, I, I understand why Pittsburgh did it, but it just seemed to me like that's a Kyle Dubas trade. 
as much as I've ever seen a Kyle Dubas trade. Like, it's why? Because we wanted him and we needed him, or we thought well, we needed him. Like, I don't know if he moves the needle. That's his right. What Tony? He's always a, he's always adding piece. That's his thing as a fancy piece. I think we're yeah, I get that in a couple years contract wise. This will definitely become something that's you know not two or three years down the road. It's going to be like ah. Oh, well, also what they give up. I don't have to trade in front of me, but I recognize a name or two. I mean, they're not schlubs, right? So they're not schlubs. I mean, no, they got to make that up now too. 2004, 24 draft pick San Jose uh, acquired from Pittsburgh. a first runner, right? A first rounder. Uh, yeah, a first rounder. Uh, two thousand twenty four. Um, uh, they, let's see, Mike Hoffman was part of that deal. It was a three, you know, it was a three-way deal with, uh, yeah, with Pittsburgh, Montreal. San Jose, and Montreal. Oh, right. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And t- also, we didn't, I don't think we talked about Tom Wilson getting seven years at four point, uh, 45.5 contract. Uh, he'll be getting seven years, so it's, you know. No, I really like Tom Wilson. Um, I, I, I wish he could stay healthy. Uh, that's a big problem for him. And, you know, I, I just... Again, Washington is another one of those teams that I'm like, are they really trying to win a Stanley Cup? Or are they, as Washington's in a little bit of a different boat, I think, than Pittsburgh. As much as, are they really put it going all in to try and win the playoffs, get to the playoffs and win a cup? Or is it, we just got to make sure that we have enough people around Ovi that he can get his 40, 45 goals a year, break Brett Gretzky's record that's in a couple of years, true. and that's it. Like, that's all I feel like this team is, is never building say for it, and playing yeah. for. But it, that's what it is. It is all about Ovechkin, and the next two years is going to be about that record. And I, I don't know. I mean, and when you see some of these teams, you know what was with Pittsburgh last year? You know what they showed me? Not just that they're old. And, like, we can say that with the Islanders. Like, the Islanders are just older and slower, and it's how they're built. And Pittsburgh, to me, looked like a team last year that just lost their hunger. They just didn't have that Pittsburgh Penguin, especially coming towards towards the playoffs. You don't want it. Last couple of years, but last year, it fell off. I mean, they really cost themselves a playoff spot. I mean, nobody else did. They took it away from Nobody went and took it from them. They gave it to Florida. Yeah, I um, and I just like, don't know. Fell off. I, th- I think if Yari plays well, and they, I mean, I do think they can sneak in with a wild card this year. But you know, I'm not well, you know, so. you look at the Eastern Conference, right? The Columbus Blue Jackets are going to be a hell of a lot better. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think they're going to have the biggest increase from one season to next season in points uh, this season, this year, like out of any other team. Um, I don't know how big that jump's going to be. The only thing that worries me a little bit about Columbus, like we always talk about Damon Severson and how much, you know, of a liability he was until last year where he was actually played okay. Yep, had a good play. But look where he was last year on the third pairing. Look who he was playing against, not the team's best lines, and he played okay. Now, Columbus is putting a lot on the back of Damon Severson as a number one pairing. I don't, you know, I'm just curious how he's going to play. Um, but if they could stay healthy, they're going to be a very good team. Detroit Red Wings are going to be a lot better. Uh, Philadelphia is going to be garbage, but that's by design. You know, right. I, I can't, I can't fault Danny Briere when you know the old administration was selling the Flyer fans a bill of goods. Danny Briere comes in and says, "This is what we're doing: tearing it down, bringing in a lot of old guys, um, you know, alumni of." Fire fame to come in, show these guys the flyer way, show these guys the culture that was built in that team in the 90s and early 2000s. I like what he's doing. Ottawa, 
going to be a lot better. Um, A scary team, actually. Ottawa can be a scary team. Washington, I think, is on the bottom. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Tampa Bay is going to be there. Um, Florida's not going to have to squeak in at the end of the year again. They're going to get more points during the year. See, I don't think I think Florida is going to be in the exact same position that they were in last year. Really, with a whole year, Chuck? Again? Yeah, because first of all, they're so beat up still. They're not even going to be having a lot of these dudes aren't even going to be suiting up in the beginning of the year Um, between injuries and everything. I just how they they struck lightning in a bottle last year. I don't think they can do it again. When you really look at Florida, yes, they're a good team, but they did lose a, a couple of guys. Um, I think that um, Gudis going is going to hurt them. I don't think that Bobrovsky is this amazing goalie. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think Tampa Bay will be there. I think Buffalo is going to. I guess the way to... I'm looking at it is kind of wrong, too, because they did get enough points to get in. So in the full spectrum of the year, they did take those points away from other teams. So, yeah, I guess I don't see them besting that. But, really, but I didn't I, I see them suffering during the year either. I don't think they no, would have beat Vegas, but I think those 11 games killed them. That fucking break just really well, screwed up there. I mean, it's, oh, I, I, think, mean look, oh, I think it definitely did, 100%. Florida, Florida went on a run, and it was awesome to see, but it was this – it was storybook. This shit that doesn't happen all the time. They were not the best team. I mean, just go back to game – I think it was game five or game six, right? Marshawn with like 30 seconds left on a breakaway. If Bobrovsky doesn't make that save, it's over. And who knows what Boston does uh, in the in the playoffs. So, like – they had a lot of things go for them, and they need to to make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, but Florida is not a team that scares me. Um, Buffalo scares me, and I think that a lot of people are sleeping on Buffalo, saying, "Yeah, they're going to be a lot better. They're going to try and do a playoff, you know, try and make the playoffs." I could see Buffalo doing similar to what the Devils did last season. The they are that- definitely up. They are at that point now where it's okay. Let's see what you got now. You know, it's. Uh- the, the cute puppy behind the fence or whatever is kind of moved on now. Now it's let's see some production. What puppy? Puppy, puppy, puppy. All right. How about this? Before we get into anything else, I'm going to give you guys Eastern Conference teams, and you're going to tell me yay or nay if they're going to the playoffs. Okay. Okay? Toronto. Yes. So I think we, yeah, we all think that Toronto is going to the playoffs. Boston. Hard to say no, but I I don't know. There's so much shit's happened on that team. I'm in. I thought we keep a question mark next to Boston until we get through all these, and yeah. we'll see how many yeah. we actually have in there. So we'll do a question mark because I feel the same way. If you guys have just scratched, I know they're going to fall down. I just don't know they're going to fall out. Florida. I'm going to say I'm going to say uh, yes. I'm going to stick with the yes. Yeah, what I the comment I just made. So yeah. I'm going to say no. Carolina. Yes. 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 Rangers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think we Devils. all agree the first three are going to be on our division. Devils, no way. They suck. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. Devils, yes. Islanders. No. No. I'll go no. Pittsburgh. I'm going to say yes. Wild card. I'm going to go no for right now until I see this shape up. Okay. Montreal. No. I'm going to go hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say no also. Buffalo. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say no. 
Really? No. I'm going yeah. yes. I'm say no, and I'm not. I'm not convinced on that, but I'm going to say no. I got two spots to left. break up the Tampa Bay. Yes, can't count out Tampa with Vasilevsky in that. Yeah, I'll I give say it another yes. year. Washington. No. I got no. I'm going to say no too. Ottawa. Yes. Ottawa. I do believe Ottawa's getting in. Flyers. No. No. Detroit. No. Yes. You think? Tony, yes? you got like ten teams going in. No, but that's what I wanted. That's oh, okay. what I wanted. All right. Gotcha. So I wanted. Yeah. So you you think yes to Detroit? Think Detroit's going to go to the playoffs. I don't think so. I think they're a couple think years they can away. Get in. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not 100, percent but I think they can get in. Okay, I'm going to say no. I'm what still saying you? no. Yeah. All right. So Tony's the only one that says yes to that one. Okay. Uh, and then Columbus. No. Nah. They'll improve no. greatly, but yeah, no. they'll improve, but they're not going to make it. Oh, win ten more so games this year than last year. Between the three of us, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We have, well, I'll say ten. Ten teams have gotten voted yes, and Boston is still a question mark. So, yes. you know, it is going to be, the whole Eastern Conference is going to be really hard. Right. Uh, but I think we can do the locks, right? The the, um, um, the division locks, at least ours, seem a lot easier than the wild card yeah, scenario. Like, we know the Maple Leafs are going to be there. We know Carolina is going to be there. The rain, and this is, of course, barring injuries or any kind of craziness. Sure. The the Carolina is going to be there. The Rangers, the Devils, um, Tampa Bay. That might be the only locks, right? One, two, three, four, five teams that we can say out of that is going to be a lock. So I think that there is going to be, yeah, if we go by that, there's going to be three spots that are going to be battled for, right? Um, you know, for uh, the rest of these teams. I'll tell you what this tells so, me. I really now hope more than ever that our prophecy on the division, the one-two-three lineup, whether it's Carolina top and us or whatever, is right because I wouldn't want to be down there battling with these final spots. No, and and you know you don't want to be one of those teams that wins the division and gets a super hot Buffalo Saber team coming yeah. in at the end, or you know a super hot Ottawa team that had to just lay it all out on the ice before they got into the playoffs. Uh, it's always a tricky spot, um, you know. I, I, but I just I still I don't I can't stand the new lineup. I don't no, like I don't the like way it. that they do it. I just wish they would go back to one through uh, eight and and go that way. It just makes a lot more sense, and you know, if like you said, if we have a team like Carolina that has a stranglehold on the Metropolitan Division, and that goes, you know, a big drop off between three and four, you know, all year who you're playing. Yeah, it's going to be Devils Rangers Rangers for the next three years, you know, in the first round, and I don't want that. Me neither. So this is really interesting that you did it this way because, yeah, I mean, I've got my eight teams sitting here that I'm fairly comfortable with, and I didn't even put Boston in it. Right. And, And again, I know. They're not going to have the same season. I don't think they're going to – it's possible they don't make the playoffs. I know they're going to fall, but do they fall enough where I can actually say Buffalo is going to take their spot or Ottawa is going to take their spot? Or? Well, who are your eight that you have in right now, Bobby? So Toronto, Florida, Carolina, Rangers, Devils, Buffalo, Tampa, and Ottawa. Buffalo, Tampa, and Ottawa. Okay, so the, the only one that we were different on. So you have you had Boston or no? No, I didn't. At Florida. Okay. I don't think you, you got Florida. See, the only change that I had with yours was I had Boston and not Florida. Okay. 
So I have the Maple Leafs, the Bruins, the Canes, the Rangers, the Devils, the Sabres, the Lightning, and Senators. And and that that would be awesome because there's a couple of new teams that haven't been there for it, a it super is. long and time. Now, circling back to our conversation just right. a moment ago, now I can see the scenario more of Florida not making it because when we put it in the perspective like this with Boston on the outside, <laughs> right now I can see it as a possible. That could be the team that falls out, but that would be exactly what it looked like last year, right? It like Florida Boston's wasn't going to make team, it. a weird team, right? Because you got Allmark, you got, you got the goalies. You just don't know because there's a, that's a big team. Like, you know, the Devils, we made a lot of changes this offseason, but in our hearts, I really believe that we're a better team. Boston, well, the changes definitely. the changes the Devils made were additions. The changes the Boston made were also attractions. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that it, I just think the Bergeron and Krejci not being there, I understand that they have Pasternak and Marshawn. They have some very good players, Charlie McAvoy, um, uh, Lindholm. They have some great players. And like you said, Omark and Swayman are, are a great tandem if they stay with the team uh, this year. But they're great tandems. But that front, their centers, I just, you know, really, Pavel Zaka is their number one center right now. I don't know if that's a recipe to win. I just think that you know down the middle they're really weak and uh, and it's a tough div- it's a tough division you know the we Atlantic division is no, real tough. We knew they were going to have to dump a lot of dudes. We knew this was kind of coming for Why'd them. You have and to they say knew dump. Him dump. You know they had to pull a Gigi. Tony's used to dumping dudes. <laughs> they had to pull a Gigi Allen. Dumping on dudes. You know they had to. Uh, we knew it was going to happen and. Now it's going to see where they. It's going to be interesting, you know. Yeah, I just can't wait until hockey starts. Oh I mean, this little bit of preseason football is at least giving me a little bit of my sports fix. But you know, I need that crack. I need friggin' hockey back. I know. But I, know I do have a list. Have no baseball fucking excitement right now. Like, I mean, no. it's just miserable for me. It's like I don't even. It's embarrassing. I have a couple of baseball questions for you guys because you know I'm not a great big baseball guy. But why is it that? Baseball managers wear the uniform, and they're the only coach that wears the uniform. Yeah, I don't know. Is there good a reason question. for just, that? I think that's just historic. No, it's a good question. It's maybe, just maybe tradition. Maybe back when they were player managers, and it just never left. I'm not sure. You it know, does look I, a little goofy on some of the guys. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know some like pull it off. They look. They're all felt. Seventy they look good, year old, still in shape. Dude. Fifty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then there's the other side. Yeah, and you <laughs> see like like when they had to fucking Dusty Baker walking waddling out there like a. What was that, Tone? I miss the 80s when you had, like, at least if they looked like that, you had Jim Leland puffing on cigarette butts over in the corner of the dugout, yeah. Daryl Strawberries banging chicks in the fucking, uh, what is it, in the locker room. Are you ever read the book? He was like, no. Oh, I crazy. read the book. They were bringing girls in the It was crazy. They were bringing girls in the dugout. Like a dug- I just don't understand the, uh, the whole Dijkstra. manager. So in order, in order to keep me from venting about the Mets, where I, I don't even want to give them that kind of energy right now, did you guys hear about the uh, broadcaster from Baltimore? Who was no. at least pulled? For, I don't know if he suspended or let go. So what happened? But basically, all he said, you know, Baltimore's been bad for several years, right? And now they're very good. They're playing the Tampa Bay Rays, and all he said, I'm paraphrasing here, and he had a chart to back it up. They have more wins at Tropicana Field this year than they did the last three combined. Just putting it out there pregame. Okay. Kicked them off the show. Took them off the air. For what? I, that for that. All I know, I only saw it because Gary Cohen of the Mets blasted Baltimore's management for pulling the guy for something like that. And so I finally just read up on it. It's, it's shocking. If there's more to it, I don't know. But this is, I saw him, 
I saw his video, the guy, and I saw Gary Cohen's uh, response to it. But apparently it was, what, too negative, too true? I mean, what's wrong with that? If anything, that's just showing how good they are right now. Yeah, I have no idea why they would suspend him. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I have the article here from USA Today. MLB announcers express outrage over reports of Orioles suspending TV voice Kevin Brown. Uh, I'm just going to kind of quick browse this uh, article. And according to multiple reports, the Orioles suspended play-by-play announcer Kevin Brown after he made a comment in a pregame segment on July 23rd about the club's poor history on the road against the Rays. Brown pointed out, and an on-screen graphic reflected that the O's were 0-15-1 in their last 16 series at Tropicana Field, and that they had won as many games that this there this season that they have in the previous three seasons combined. Exactly what you said. The suspension was first reported by the sports media site Awful Announcers. Oriole announcer Kevin moved from Booth to comments, but I, I, and here's the, the the clip. I don't understand. Where the hell am I? Stupid speaker, Crazy, man. Yeah, I don't understand why he got suspended for that. That makes no sense. But yeah, that's a whole new level that, of cancel culture. Literally nothing wrong with his statement. I'll tell you, Bobby, I spent a lot of years going to Yankee games at TROP where the Rays play. And, man, and yeah. it is the worst. That I have never... Like, and the Rays have been successful for a while. And yeah. you would go to this park, and if it's not the Yankees... The Red Sox, uh, you know, these teams like that. It's sure. like, it's unbelievably, they used to Nobody's let, there. two years ago, they used to let you bring food into the vet. You could bring food to the stadium and eat there. I've never heard of Atlanta, it. Atlanta used to do that. My sister lived, even when this one, the Braves were good too. Like if you had bleacher seats, you were allowed to bring a cooler and like actually have a picnic Awesome, there. actually. Nice. Yeah. But the other question for you guys is Atani. Yeah, one of the greatest baseball players I've ever seen in my life. Hands down, pitcher. Home. Now is it? Now he's not like a guy that good at a sport as American as baseball mm-hmm. should be a lot more famous and popular than he is, yeah. and he's not. Now is that because he's Japanese, or is that because baseball is just people just are losing touch with baseball? And I think it's care. Anaheim to be. Quite you honest. Think it's I mean, but nobody even too. knows who Trout is, and he was one of the best ball players in the world too. But what Otani is doing is perhaps literally the greatest ball player ever. You know, an American yeah. game, yeah, Japanese starter who's just phenomenal. And it, I love everything about him because even as a kid growing up, I always was saying, "Why can't pitchers just hit too? You know, why can't yeah. we just be a full athlete like everybody yeah. else? This, this baby crap, and now this guy has proven it. I hope the whole world changes. I hope all the pitchers start doing it. Because you grow up fielding the ball and hitting the ball. I mean, they don't even let pitchers catch pop flies. No. They're $35 no, million they, they, a year, but don't touch that 10-foot pop fly. Yeah, but you remember when Mariano Rivera was catching pop flies? He got put. He was done for the year. I'm just no, saying you should that. be capable of catching the yeah, flies. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I believe I, I, in this history. Like, you remember when everyone wanted to be a Yankee? Do you think right now there is so much pressure on that organization? Like, as I hear guys turn it, like, there's guys that don't want to go there. Pitchers from pitchers, obviously, you know. I think it was, uh, say, Verlander, I think it was, right, who didn't want to go there. There's a lot you of you do a whole show on why players don't want to go yeah. to New York. Either yeah, one. I mean, because it's... it used to be a place. Now it's it's been such – the last couple of years, with the, you know, it's been so cursed there. I, I just – it feels There's different. definitely momentum, obviously, in any sport. We're seeing it now with the Devils. You, 
You have an upcoming team. It's all the talk is about the Devils, whether we're doing it or the experts. Like, there's always some buzz, and yeah, that brings people. When you got Stanley Cup championship aspirations or World Series, like legitimate, then yeah, you got all the momentum. But the Yankees gone down a little bit last few years. I heard three times this week generational player with Jack Hughes, and I loved it. Every time I heard, well, I mean, he is, and I think times in this week, and I was like, you know what, that just feels good to hear, right? I mean, and and I have, I think he is, and I think his brother is. I think Luke Hughes is going to end up being a generational player. He's phenomenal, and like you said about people coming to Jersey or coming to these teams, you know, our buddy Bill from the Trap Podcast. Anybody who's listening, um, please check him out. He does a good job. Him and his old man were talking, and he made a good point on his last show, saying how like Dougie Hamilton was the first one to really take that chance. Um, you know, that, that this was a team and we could have gone either way, you know, after that year, like, is this team going to really, yeah, they're trying to do all the right things, but is it going to work? And then to go out and get a, a, the biggest free agent back then. Now I know they offered him $9 million. That's what you have to do in that position. A lot to do with it. Pay a little bit more to bring that first guy. But that he believed in what Tom Fitzgerald was selling and came here for it. And I think that did open a lot of doors, just Dougie doing that and people saying, well, shit, Hamilton's there. Do you remember, like, other than the fact that he was obviously the best free agent that year, there was no buzz about it. It was almost like, yeah, okay, he went to the Devils. Like, nobody realized how significant that was. I'm sure some did. I but what a springboard that was. He was the biggest free agent, and everyone was kind of Yeah, like, but it's yeah. not like they gave us cre- – like, we were still picked to be dead last the next year. Last yeah. year. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. all the analysts were going, it's not that they're not getting better, but they're saying the same thing as us. Who are you moving out? Yeah. So not only did we not move a person out, we shot all the way up. Yeah, I mean, what this team – what that team did from – you know, and, and here's the thing, and we talked about this when we first started doing the show, like – two seasons ago was a bad year but you saw glimpses you saw glimpses and and i actually did a whole breakdown with dan on one of the shows where i went over every team that had made the playoffs the that previous season and we beat all of them at least once and it wasn't a you know two one it was like we had offensive explosions you know six to two seven to two and we did that once in a while and if you remember that season like we'd always get down early because our goaltending was garbage and then by the third period we're like down three goals and we maybe only lose by a goal or we maybe yeah. lose in overtime they were like these third period heroics that these guys were doing and you saw these little glimpses and it's just like man if they could stay healthy figure it out between the pipes there's something here and then you know to go to last year i don't think anybody was expecting that but you could have you you saw a little bit of the the imprint the year before of what could be, and then it just exploding last year. And they, like I said, the only people I don't think that I think was not surprised by the performance last year was the players on that team. It's funny I you mention that because I take a lot of I take that into account for a lot of sports when I'm watching it, not just for where could they have been if things were slightly different per game, just from an entertainment standpoint. You know, if your record's whatever, but you were in like in baseball, but you lost by one run like 20 times. Entertainment-wise, I was probably engaged in that game for quite a while, but I do this with hockey, too, where I notice exactly what you're talking about from that year, where it's like, you know, this was a close game. It got close when it looked bad. All these things do point to something really good in the future. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, in retrospect, I definitely was starting to feel that at the end of that season. Yeah, and, and the injuries and the goaltending were the, the biggest problem, but they did show those little glimpses. And I saw it last year with Buffalo. I saw these little glimpses, a few games that they – could have won that they just weren't ready yet you know maybe they but i think buffalo is going to be a little bit scary this year um yeah 
I do have a list. You guys want to do a list? Let's do a list. I have my top five New Jersey Devil coaches of all time. And I thought at first that this was going to be easy. Hmm. And it really wasn't. And at first I was like, well, at least the fifth and fourth ones are going to be easy. Maybe I'll have a difficult time on the first, second, and third. I found the fourth and the fifth very difficult. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't give this much thought because it was your category. And just right now, my mind is flipping through, and I can see how very hard that is. Yeah, it was it was tough. Now, number five, I have Jim Schoenfeld. Okay. Right, now, I didn't get to watch too much Jim Schoenfeld because it was a little bit before my time, but he coached 124 games over three seasons for the Devils. He had 50 wins, 59 losses. He was sub-500 and 15 ties. He had 115 points and a point. 464 winning percentage in the regular season. He coached 20 games in the playoffs with 11 wins and 9 losses. Now, like I said, his numbers aren't good. They're really not. But he was the coach in 1988 Uh that coached this team to their first ever playoff appearance. And because of that, he gets on the list. Um, You know, this team was... Mickey Mouse organization, we know all the shit that was said about them. And then the first time they made the playoffs, which they even went on to the finals, the Eastern Conference Finals that year, it wasn't just a one and done. They actually had a bit of a run in 88, and that was all on Jim Schoenfeld. Um, they won 11 games. Uh, yeah. they, made, you know, they won two series, and they made it to Game 7 of the, uh, the whatchamacallit, the finals. And, uh, yeah, that was a really good team, and it was on the back of Schoenfeld. He didn't coach much more after that for the Devils. I think he was done in 1989, November of 1989, so it was, like, right before the season even started. He was, or when the season just started, he was gone. He was battling with officials. Remember Don? Don Yeah, I do. I do. But Jim Schoenfeld gets number five. Um, Number four. Any guesses on number four, guys? Ah. I'm going to say... Just four, four's tough. I think I can probably figure out your top three, but... I think, yeah, everyone could probably four, figure out the top Herb three. Herb Brooks, just as a... Herb Brooks only coached like a year, not even with yeah, the Yeah, one year. Oh. Yeah, one year yeah. And I don't think he had a very good record. 40 wins, I think it was, for something I'm like thinking that. thinking you could be going like for Torek Angle or... Um, now, what about... Um, just went to San Jose and then Vegas... Um, are you talking about... Uh, Why am I forgetting? Oh, God. Forgetting his name. It, it's who you think it is. Yeah. It's not Robbie Faturek, even though Robbie Faturek was a like a, an honorable mention, but it wasn't Faturek. It's Peter DeBoer. Peter DeBoer. And DeBoer's a very successful coach. I mean, a lot yes, of Four seasons with the Devils, 2012 to 2015. He coached 248 games. He had 114 wins and 93 losses, 269 points, a .542 winning percentage. He was hired to succeed John Madden. Remember, John Madden came in after we won the um, was that the 2011 season, and it was just a complete disaster. And then DeBoer came in 2012, took these guys right to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, he won the Eastern Conference, lost the finals in six games to the Kings. His playoff career with the Devils is 24 games, coached 14 wins, 10 losses, and a .583. Uh, winning percentage. Uh, Peter DeBoer, this team was not supposed to make it to the finals. You know, there was just, they weren't. Peter DeBoer came in, shot a, you know, little bit of something into this team. And they go on and they get, they have a, a, 
I mean, basically a, a, a Cinderella run. Nobody expected them to do it in 2012. And, you know, they ended up falling short to a really, really good Los Angeles Kings. And team. had to beat their rivals in the Eastern Conference Finals again. That was pretty epic. The Scorpion had to save beat the and all Rangers that. in great the East. series. Yep. And, and, and nothing but positive things about Pete DeBoer from players who have played for him. Like I listen to it. Just of the can't old... win the big one. Yeah. I, I was there. still surprised that he left. I remember that. I was I just I really liked him as a coach. I really appreciated what he did. I forgot all about Madden. Yeah. Like yeah, I, John I Madden. think I just erased it from my mind. It, it's funny, like when you do this research and you're actually looking to see some of these coaches, like I, there were a lot of coaches that I forgot coached. Yeah. You know, and one one year we actually have it just on like the um the hockey uh Analyst Network or whatever it is has um, just it says something like the bench something like uh, bench coaches like I think that was the year that Lamorella came down and decided yeah. he was going to coach um, but yeah Peter DeBoer four years almost got them there very very close but I'll make him number four now, he came in right after Lamare right because Lamare went to 2011 came, no. he came back for the second time and DeBoer oh yeah 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 you're right you're right you're right, right? Um, yes. You're right. Yeah, because he keeps I think you're that right. distance so, with Lamar. Now, before number, you go on, just yeah. so you know, I'm not going to guess your three in order, but I wrote it down so okay. that I'm not going to lie if I agree or disagree with you, but I think I know which way you're going. But it could did go any way. Did you put them in order? In your order? In fact, I, I guess I did. Okay. Yeah. Well, number three for this exercise, I have Pat Burns. Yeah. Pat Burns, two seasons, 2003-2004. Just before I get into his stats, like just a hard-nosed, bad-ass coach. Took zero shits from everybody. This guy had the balls no matter who you were. If you he didn't like you where you were playing, he was benching you. And, I mean, look, Ken Danico was benched for a lot of the finals in 2003. Yep. And... Pat Burns gave zero shits. Uh, he did not care. He would sit Gomez. He'd sit Lemieux. Sit anybody if they he didn't like what he was doing. He was a hard ass, and he could be because out of all of these coaches, he has the highest winning percentage out of any of the Devils coaches that are on this list, with a winning percentage of point six three four. He's coached 164 games, 89 wins, 45 losses, 22 ties for 208 points. Like I said, extremely demanding. Takes this team to its third cup victory. In the playoffs, he had 29 games. He coached 17 wins, 12 losses for a .586%. And he won everywhere he was. And, you know, it's a shame what happened that he got sick and he couldn't stay with his team. But, man, because I think he would have been the coach for a long time. And it was one of those guys that, at the time, you had a lot of veterans on this Devil team. You had a lot of guys that knew everything that they had to do. They knew how to win. They won before. So to them, you know, when you were coming in, and and you saw this with Robbie Futurak, with the team kind of, you know, him losing that locker room and the team not buying what he was selling – it could have been very easy for this team to not buy what, what Pat Burns was selling because of the way he coached and his style of coaching, but they bought in. It, the respect factor was there right away. I don't um, think I don't think it's a reach at all to say they don't win the 2003 Cup with a different coach. I agree. I mean, because that guy was a pretty opposite of maybe some others you got on that list with, the, with a lot of the same personalities on the team. And, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it and wasn't an easy one either. Two thousand. I like Pat so. Burns. I mean, I remember he was with Toronto, Boston. Yep. He so he, hard. This guy, well, he's coached over a thousand games. Dude, he was a cop. He I mean, first cop, of all, right? he was a freaking cop. No, he was a Canadian. He was a, oh, he was he was a, Canadian a Mountie. Right, he was a Mountie. Yeah, and the guy just had this look on his face, right? I mean, the guy just, I mean, I, I was. I liked Pat Burns. I definitely agree with you that without him, I don't know if we won that cup. And he did make tough decisions because I remember how Danico said that he didn't think he was even going to – actually, Danico was saying that when they said, okay, you're going to go in this game, you're going to go in tonight, he almost didn't – it was a part of him that was like, man, I don't want to fuck this up. He well, he, he told he, he yeah. told yeah he told Burns he said I don't think it's the right idea yeah. I don't think it's a good idea to put me in and Burns said no you're going in and uh, he was there awesome. and they won it and those two battled I mean they yeah. had some oh, yeah. battles and um, so did him and uh, Gomez like they were you know oh, Gomez yeah, was right. this young you know snot nosed kid and you know playing and and you know being himself, being his, you know, abrasive way, and Burns took zero from him. Well, it's and like everyone known as a hard-nosed dude. Yeah, and, and everyone his... that played for him on those devil teams that I've heard, they all say the exact same thing, that, like, yeah, he was miserable, you hated playing for him when you played for him, but when that season ended, you look back and knew you weren't going where you got if it wasn't for him. Um, so that brings me to number two who this guy is my favorite all-time devil coach, but I just could not give him number one because, you know, it is what it is. Larry Robinson, all right? Four years, 173 games coached, 87 wins, 56 losses, 19 ties, 204 points, .59 winning percentage, 48 games in the playoffs for 31 wins, 17 losses, and a .646 winning percentage in the playoffs. Wins the cup in 2000, takes the team to the Eastern Conference final or the Stanley Cup final in 2001. Comes in, I mean, this, first of all, the assistant of Jacques all those years, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the, in the mid 90s. So, guy comes from being an amazing player in Montreal to an amazing assistant coach. Not, you know, I think he was, I think he was a head coach uh, for LA at some point. I think he had a yep. couple of short stints with teams and didn't really stick. And then Robbie Futurek gets canned like five or six weeks before the playoffs start in 2000, bring Robinson in. They get into the playoffs, and, I mean, that was it. It was over. I mean, they, he just took this team to a different level. They played harder for for Larry Robinson than I ever saw this team play for any other coach. That devil team. Let's not forget, too, that he was so influential in the Devils even making it that far. When you look at that Flyer series, yeah. Down three games to one. That also doesn't happen without Robinson's demeanor. The way he ran that team, the way he, you know, told them, have fun, play hockey, be you. I'm sure there was choice words in there, too, when he needed it. But he was the demeanor they needed at that time, at that year, yeah. to win that cup. Because they did they, a lot of amazing things. You know, we talked about Faturek earlier. He lost that locker room. And they were not playing for him at all. And... Lamorello was smart enough to see from upstairs that, yeah, this team's going to make the playoffs, and if I keep this guy behind the bench, they're going to be gone in the first round. Um, and he was smart enough to not say, so I'm going to take over the team into the playoffs. At least he didn't do that this time. Does only that on even years. <laughs> right. Brings in Robinson, who... There's nothing that Robinson was going to see on the ice that he hadn't seen already. You know, I mean, this guy won what, like nine, ten cups with Montreal? I mean, it's ridiculous. I and heard a just, story that that year that that with uh, when he got when Robinson became the coach, is that Fatorak? I guess he 
basically like disrespected Robinson in front of the team. And I guess Lamarillo caught word of this. And it's, it's all there was a whole big there's a whole big trail to this that season. I, I, I never just, even yeah, never even heard that. that. Yeah, there was something that he had oh. he had dis, something happened with Robinson and him. This isn't then, really the podcast to make shit up, Tony. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> no, 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 it's fact, man. It's a fact. All facts number, are checked before airing this episode. Number one. Now, Bob, would you have these three coaches in the, the same order? Would I did go, Burns, not. Robinson? I was I was coming at okay. from a different angle. I know obviously how you feel about this coach. I just I also knew who your favorite coach was. Right. So I thought yeah. maybe you were going to flip the screws, but I am a hundred percent behind your decision on this. It's got to be Jacques Lemaire. Right. You know the, the it's you say what you want about the guy. Seven years. 509 games coached for the Devils, 276 wins, 166 losses, 57 ties, 619 points for a .608 winning percentage. Playoffs, 61 games coached, 35 wins, 26 losses, .574 winning percentage. Look, they don't win a cup without Jacques Lemaire. And Jacques Lemaire's coaching style and the system that he implemented that we all know now as the trap mm-hmm. changed the league. It changed the NHL. And there's not many coaches that, first of all, had the personnel to be able to do what he wanted to do and do it right. Um, you know, 1994 takes the team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Anybody who knew anything about hockey watched those Eastern Conference Finals between the Devils and Rangers and said, whoever wins this series is winning the Cup. And they were right. And we were so close. You know, in Game 7, overtime, Stefan Matteau, wraparound goal on Brodeur, Rangers beat Vancouver in 7. But Jacques Lemaire, to be able to have a team that just 10 years earlier was being called a Mickey Mouse organization, they didn't even belong in this league, and then he brought them to respectability. And they stayed there for a really long time. And all of that is on the back of Jacques Lemaire. And, you know, the guy goes, leaves, goes to Minnesota, was their first ever head coach. And he was did very well in Minnesota. They didn't have the structure of the team that we had. But everybody says, oh, the trap is boring and defense is boring and this and that. Jacques Lemaire also was smart enough to look at this team and say, you know, I don't have 50 goal scorers. I have, you know, basically like, you know, you would look at this team and say, I just have really good um, character guys and and I'm going to implement this system. And it had been done before and it had been done after. Never been done as good as the Devils did it in 95. So for that, just first time that as a Devil fan, you can lift your head proud and you could say, yeah, last year we almost got there. And you see this so many times in, in, in sport, right? A team almost gets there one year, and then the next year, they just poop the bed. Yep. Not this, not the devil team. They come in 95 and go all the way and win the cup. And just because of that, and because of just his persona behind that bench and what it meant for that team, he was just as much a, a, a recognizable devil as Scott Stevens or Marty Brodeur. It was Jacques Lemaire behind the bench. He's got to be the greatest coach in history. With Jacques Lemaire, he's always been a winner. I mean, the guy's won eight Stanley yes. Cups. I mean, he's yeah. got, as a player, as a player, he won yeah. eight Stanley Cups at 12 seasons. He's only not made the playoffs seven years out of 17 years coaching. I mean, the dude is That's fucking impressive. impressive. And not only that, if you remember when they won the Cup in 95, he stood there like a proud father. 
I watched it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just and I remember him just standing there and gl- that glare in his face, and it just you know I mean, how could you not make him number one? I knew I I think we all knew he was going to be number one. Um, it was it was tough between him and Larry Robinson, but at the same time, I have to also look at this and say Larry Robinson's never in the position in two thousand if it's not for Jacques Lemaire. Because Jacques Lemaire brought him into this organization, and 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 that's a big part of it. And then he melded with this. And you say like he looked on after '95 winning the cup as a proud father, and you're watching 2000 this year, right? And Larry Robinson, they win the cup in Dallas, and he's going batshit crazy. Jumps over the boards. He almost falls like four or five times. He's like running, sliding all over the place. That was just awesome to see. I remember when Lemaire won a gold medal. He won with what? He had Lindy Ruff. He was assistant coach with Lindy Ruff, Mike Babcock, and Ken Hitchcock in 2010. He won a gold medal. Yeah, I remember that. Now, let me... Ruff and him were together then. I just just popped in. Yeah. Because of this list, right, now we look at the coach we have in Lindy. Lindy wins a cup. Does he take knock somebody off this list? Definitely, he knocks off Jim Schoenfeld. Definitely, right? I'm actually always impressed how people aren't. And he knocks off Peter DeBoer, so he automatically gets no less than third, right? I mean, because he got to win a cup. So the real question is, what happens when he wins two, right? If if we have a coach that wins, because look, we have three cups and three different coaches that took us there. If we have one guy behind the bench to win two cups, that they would be number one. You're the man. They would have to be. They would have to be. I'd like to do this so. list again when that happens because you still got to jump Lemaire, like you said. That's that's tough. It is going to be tough to jump Lemaire's Jacques our Lemaire. Right? Lemaire's yeah. our uh, he's our first. He was like won our first cup for us. We remember. You never forget the, your first. You never forget. Yeah, your first. Some know, down years after '95 too. I mean, made the playoffs. Well, didn't make it in '96. That's true. '97, couple rounds. You know. Now '90 '97. I thought that. Didn't we lose in the first round in 97 to Pittsburgh? I believe it was the first round. Then it was the second round in 98, I think. That's right. Okay. First round yeah, in 99, I mean, and then we won in 2000. And then we won in 2000. It just, look, I mean, I hope that Lindy Ruff has the the skill set to put it together to win the cup um, and even to win two. But his age says a little bit different. He still doesn't have a contract. Like, this is something that... Gerald sound very confident in him today, though, when I listen to Fitzgerald. Well, Bob, you had some stuff that you wanted to talk about before we wrap up tonight about the Tom Fitzgerald conference. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I just wanted to point out a few things. I listened to uh, the Spittin' Chicklets podcast, which is, you know, basically the NHL podcast. I I love it. They they have 650,000 followers and stuff like that. And just to summarize a couple key points, it's very much in line with everything we've said. There's not going to be anything earth-shattering here. But to hear it from him... Uh, it just kind of validates a lot of what's being said. So in, in regards to the team and the contracts and all and how he was able to trade guys and give up assets without the security of knowing if they were coming like Timo Meyer, um, he said, again, he's like these players, they've bought in. You know, they, they want to be here and they want to be in a place where they can win. And he did that analogy again where not everybody can make the top dollar in order to, you know, field a team together. And he's like, we're not going to have anybody here that doesn't want to be here. Uh, so that was kind of point number one. This one I loved. He said, we don't need Nemec to make this team. So think about what would happen if he does. You know, I'm paraphrasing that. Yeah. That is an excellent point. So, like, as of right now, he's not penciling him in. He's not saying this guy's number six. He's saying he's coming to camp and he's going to open our eyes for sure. But right now, he doesn't need him on the team. 
which is you know really a good position to be in. And you know, yeah, Colin Miller is going to be that guy. But if you, you know, how great would it be, like you said, to have Nemec come in to training camp and do what Mercer did a couple of years ago and right. just make it impossible for them to send you down. And again, his theme, as always, is we want competition. Yeah, we want as much competition as possible. On Carolina losing, the question to him was, was it an experience that played into it a little bit? And he said, yeah. He said he believed that there was this kind of like, wow, there's an even another level that we need to get to. Hmm. Um, part of that is kind of like we talked about, right, being maybe a little expended from the Rangers series. And other what part of it is just how good Carolina Bobby? was. What's that? I can't. What do you say about the Rangers series? How he would give like, when they beat the Rangers, he would give something anytime to get that to happen. Kind of I, like, I, I, I glanced very, over very, that too. I didn't. It was funny. We'll look that up. It. Yeah. Um, he mentioned that he did feel like the players needed to celebrate the year for sure because of the accomplishments, but that he wanted them to remember the feeling of losing. Yeah. Right. And yeah. That's how you get. That's how you go up a round or two. Um, he always backed Lindy. He said he loves the way he works with the young guys, that he doesn't sit mistakes, right? We've, we've talked about that, too. Um, let's see. Now, oh, that's what they said, right? They said, uh, oh, they, they go uh, to, they said to Tom, they said, oh, they're, they're doing a fire Lindy chance. He goes, yeah, because after two games, you know, like he had yes. that sarcastic, like, yeah, right, after it was two great. games, you really need to panic. <laughs> but he doesn't have a contract yet. At he least will. nothing that was this, announced. This, this was a few days ago. It was right before he signed Ball. Ball was next on the list, so I'm sure I'm it's just, coming. I'm, I mean, it might even be done, and we just don't know it because right. they might not have announced it. But it's you know, I hope that there's no issues as far as uh, you know him definitely coming back. I, I can't see why there would be. Oh, he said he's coming back. He's coming back. Going on sure. about maybe money or whatever or term. term. But, right. I mean, look, he's an older dude. He's been around for a long time, Lindy Ruff. I, I've said it a million times, man. So surprised, happily surprised, at how this old dude was able to connect with these young kids. Because, uh, you know, kind of going into that two years ago, I'm looking at this going, they got to get somebody younger. They need to get somebody that can kind of, you know, speak their language. Yeah, yeah. Tom said that's why he brought that. them in there is because of his skill with the younger players. That was right. Yeah. He also uh, spent a lot of time, me. a lot of time, discussing the manager, you know, coach relationship. And how it needs to be a certain way. And he spent a couple minutes on the, the relationship he has. You know, the question was, you don't tell him, you can't tell him who to play, right? And, of course, it was, no, that that's where the relationship comes in, just a mutual understanding of where the team needs to go. So he's definitely got Lindsey's back. He'll, he'll be signed. Last two points, one was about Jack, and he was just gleaming on Jack's authenticity, you know, how he, he's so true to himself and who he is, and he says what's on his mind and the way he says it. He said, that's, that's just Jack. That's just he's not going to pull any punches back. He mentioned how he's made comments to other team members, you know, about what needs yeah. to be done. So he had nothing but, as we would expect, glowing remarks for Jack and his brother. And then finally he touched on Alexander Holtz. Interesting. And he did say that what he expects from him is uh, more pace. You know, keep the feet moving. Keep the skating going. He says he's already a great passer. Everyone knows what he could do with the shooting. So it's about more pace, definitely coming into camp in shape. And he does take – he said he takes some of the blame for what happened with Holtz last year because he did start off on the team. And then the fourth line was playing extremely well, which actually ate into a lot of minutes, which limited his time. 
And then once they went on the 13-game winning streak, it's like it wasn't going to change anything. So, yeah, he didn't – there was a question about is it a block in the top six why his development is suffering. He didn't answer that directly. But indirectly, you did get the sense it was kind of like, yeah, we didn't really have the opportunity for him. I should have sent him down a little early. He did yeah, say he should have sent him down a little earlier. Um, but it is kind of a block situation. So this year's going to be very interesting because I've said – Sure, he can win that third spot in the third line and be valuable. I don't think that's where Holtz needs to be. So if that is a better role for Foot or somebody, then, again, maybe it is likely that Foot becomes that asset that can be traded. But the organization is still very high. You mean Holtz becomes that asset. Holtz becomes, yeah. yeah. Um, I know what you meant. But, like, Holtz's problem is not – it's 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 up here, right? It's between his ears. Like that's his problem, right? Skating, There's something not clicking. It's just skating is what and, they're saying, and you know, eh, I, I mean, it's not like effort a little bit, right, Tony? A little yeah, bit. I, but Maybe again, I think that falls. Criticizing that the most, I think. It kind of falls at his heart and his brain when it comes to certain things. Like he's just not picking it up. Um, it seems to me like it's just more of a. He seems like the type of dude. Like I've called him Pavel Zaka light for you know ever now, and I still stand by that. I do feel like. Unlike Zaka for the Devils, it just never clicked with him. You know, he'd show very, very yeah. brief little flashes. I hope that when it does click with Holtz, that it's with us. And it does really click because we've said it a gazillion times, at least I have. The idea of Alex Holtz is awesome. The dude with a, a freaking rocket shot like that, that is a bigger guy, that can young, wow. and he can really fit in with this team. Where do you put him? That's, That's the, the thing, big right? question. But Where do you asset. put him? If he, if he actually can be what we think he could be, he could also become a big asset to make that right. one move. Not 12 moves before the playoffs, but if you have to make that one move, maybe a goaltender. As we all know, that might be a right. concern. This, I mean, he's I'd valuable rather... in that regard. But again, I'm not anointing him a top six forward in the NHL. I'm just saying if the opportunity arises where he makes the roster because of his play in camp and what he can possibly do, there's already a ton of line shuffling that goes on with Lindsey Ruff teams anyway. But you could make the argument that you could put the onus more on a seasoned forward who could play that third-line role and still get 20-plus, 20 25 goals, a la like a Toffoli or something. I, I, just saying, because I don't know how much value he's going to be on that line. I don't yeah, want I, him to just be, there's a spot for you, but not a role. I, I I'd rather have the role filled and then ship him out for something we really need. I also feel like there might come a point that Alex Holtz decides, you know what, I might need a change of scenery. I might need to go somewhere where I can be a top six guy and be part of, you know, a a team growing and and develop that way. I I mean, look at Sharon Govich out in Calgary. I think he's going to be okay out there. I think he's, you know, look, he's not going to fucking light it up. He's not... Uh, Jack Hughes, but you know he'll do better than he did yeah, I hope for he us. Does. I mean, um, shit, you know, we saw glimpses and, of him where I was really excited that first season. I was like, oh shit! Man, I mean, I think a guy like Holtz would look good in a Winnipeg Jet jersey. I'm just saying, a Winnipeg Jet jersey for a second line. We could take that goalie, put him I in a Devil jersey. Goal, you know, the hell of work thing, man. I was thinking about this today because everywhere you look, because you know we all know everybody's kind of dead for it right now. Is like the slow time, right? I am oh, yeah. so fucked. Aren't you guys? The Hellebuck thing is like it's con- everyone. It's on everyone's tongue. I get it. I get it. But I just don't think we're making a move. I think you know, in goaltending, I think we're going to start out with these two dudes. I really I think that. so too. And you know what's whole- interesting, just regarding the whole thing. This could be one of those situations where 
a few years down the line, it's we look at all the intricacies that are going into Holtz right now. Why he's not there? We can think of a million reasons. If we didn't even pick up the faulty this year, maybe he's he's on a top six, whatever. But it could be one of those situations where he goes to another team, he lights it up, like oh look what the Devils let go because yeah. it's just what you remember. You don't see this whole process of all these years. And it's not that he's not a good player. It's just maybe he's not a fit for us anymore because right. we excelled faster than we thought. We had to get some veterans in here. So it, history is going to show, maybe, if he leaves and scores 40 goals a year, that the Devils traded their seventh round. You know. If he leaves and he okay. scores 40 goals somewhere and the Devils win their fourth cup, nobody, you know what I mean? Like, that's right. fine. That's fine. Like, you got to, I've said it. And I believe it that I don't care what the name on the back of the jersey is. If you, you know, it's that simple. You're playing for the team. If Alex Holtz goes somewhere and he lights it up, that's fantastic. If we're successful because of him leaving or whatever, I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. You can't sit there with buyer's remorse and you can't keep everybody. That's the whole other thing. Like, you can't keep every. Yeah, we all like all these guys, but there might come a time where some of these guys are going to have to go. And it I, really I the next four, yeah. it was time we had to do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean that was a little different too because the team was bad. So yeah. even as a Devil fan, you're kind of like, yeah, you let them go try and win a cup somewhere. You won I mean, two of them, right? It, it worked out. For yeah, that like, you know, so that, that always comes. I'm just like, trying to speak to like so much more that happens than you see on the surface. There's not right. a person in the organization that thinks that Holtz is a bust. It's just. Is it working out here? And this is what just kind of gets lost in all this training and building of a team. And it doesn't mean anything. Like I said, he can go score 40. He can go be a bust. We don't know. But it's just so interesting how much time and effort is put in. These decisions aren't made lightly. It's not just like, ah, let's get rid of this guy. And like you said, we don't know whether he's a bust or not. But here's the thing. You have to find out now. Now you right. have to find out. So it's either he's going to be on this team and he's going to get regular minutes and he's going to either produce or not, or he's just going to ship them off somewhere. This is a no passenger team. You want, yeah. We we don't have time for this. Like I think the team is very high on Nolan Foot. He's much more of a character guy. He's more of a bottom six guy. He's an easier guy that you can fit in a role. When you have a team with a top six like we have. And then you have a guy that's trying to get into that top six that's a developmental guy, and it's kind of like, dude, unless somebody breaks an ankle, like, I just don't see it. I mean, are you going to move Mercer down? And? You know, I, I, really, he would be the the one that you would maybe consider um, moving to that third line if you feel that Holtz needs to play with the upper echelon guys. But I think that's, that's where again, I put him in our... In our little thing. Yeah, so I mean, it it, it is very it, it is it is like you said. There is a lot of thought and a, a lot of careful consideration from people much smarter than us about what goes down and how you actually evaluate a developmental player. And plus, we have what to were remember, say, we were very fortunate last year. We had injury wise, we didn't get we didn't get that nothing. Yeah, we because got we really, got a, I forget that you know, but we we really like didn't have. A star out for seven months, you know, or six months or whatever. You know, we didn't have because it all happened the year before, so we kind of got the pass this year. You know, yeah. you go back the year before, right? Uh, you had uh, Hughes out after game two when he busted his shoulder up against yeah. Colorado. You had uh, goaltending is just was just uh, atrocious. Uh, Hamilton busting his jaw, yeah, and it was not right even when he came back. He sure missed a bunch of games, especially towards the end of the year. It was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that season. Lucky. But you know, and this team though is so deep 
that even because you're going to get injuries, man, it's just going to happen. Yeah, you want to be healthy come March and April to get into the playoffs, but you know we're probably out of those top six. We're going to lose man games to yeah. you know injury, uh, but we're so much deeper now that you feel like yeah, if Tyler Toffoli goes out for you know eight or nine or ten games, we're okay. If Timo Meyer goes down for ten games, we're going to be okay. You know if Jack Hughes goes down hard. for ten games, we. Yeah, let's just go to 500. Let's play, let's you know? play 500. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, some reason, Lazar always slips my mind, you know, that we have him. I, I, I don't know what it is. I just keep on, for, for some reason, that dude, I forget he's on the team. Then I remember. I'm like, oh, shit, we got Lazar. Well, you, you know, I actually forgot about him, too. Um, but you look at the the bottom six, right? That's where the battles are going to happen, yeah. man. Those are in training camp. I mean, we got a lot of guys that are probably, what, a good eight eight to nine guys that are buying for six spots. So that's going to be kind of fun, right? Yeah, um, we to- we focus a lot on, on Holtz and foot. You know how many teams would want a Graham Clark yeah. in their minor league system? I mean, and, Jesus. And I they said, I, someone who they moved this year. You don't know, you know. You don't know. I think Graham Clark is going to make the team. And I think he's going to make the team over Alex Holtz. Couldn't. Listen. I was really bummed. We've, I've said it a million times since I was bummed last year when he came up. I was like, okay, we're going to see this kid for a game. You know, or yeah, didn't play him. He just sat up in the booth and then back to Utica. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. And then I think, because um, we're going to be wrapping this up because I have a little business I have to take care of. So, um, <laughs> but Dan, I believe, will be back in a couple of days. So, I think so we're Dan gonna and his 47 up. children are heading back from Florida? There's 40. 48. From the future United Cuckold Kids Convention. Do they have a bus or is it like a Partridge Family Mobile or something? They have a camper. They have a big camper. They have a, uh, what does he drive? Oh, they have a a Toyota Sequoia that he drives. He loads everybody up in. And uh, he's got four kids. And, you know, so they're going down. They went down to Florida, but he has a nice big camper, which it used to be big. Now the kids are bigger, so I don't think they go... So it's you know it's good for him. So he goes down to Florida with all of them. It's not like they're paying you know four hundred dollars a night for a hotel. They get a campsite. They have it. They go to the parks. You know they, every summer they usually travel. They'll go across country. Like they're usually gone. Now that the kids are older though, they all have work and other shit going on, so they don't get out there that much. But you know it's a nice gig. He's got a nice setup. He's got a beautiful family. They're all very cool. So, but he should be back in a couple of days. Um, I texted him earlier today, but he didn't text me back. See what time he when he was going to be back. So we're going to do another show, hopefully with all four. We'll get back to the devil, you know, because we haven't been able to do it because that's a four four uh, man job. Yep. So we will definitely do that, and we're going to come back probably Saturday night if everybody's available. We'll do another show, talk about nothing because nothing's going on, and uh, maybe we'll get the intro correct at least. We can start yes. with that, you know. Uh, guys, thank you so much for checking us out. Um, and wherever you are listening to us, please subscribe, give five stars, like, tell a friend, whatever. Just really goes a long way to help us promote this podcast, which, um, thanks to our listeners, is going in the right direction. So for that, we really thank you. Um, we are the Uncle Puckers. For Bobby and Tony, I'm Chris, and we'll see you when we see you. Later. Puckers out. There you go. <laughs> there you go, Dan. <laughs>